everybody. I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. I'm joined by my chief staff, Hallie Warner. Hallie, good morning. Morning. Today, we have a really cool uh, podcast we want to jump into, which is about kids and money. And when you think of kids and money, Hallie, what do you think? Um, I don't have any kids. I know. I know but just, I do have money. Yes, you do. <laughs> That's what I think about. So what do you think about if, if you, what does money mean to you? Oh, well, money means freedom. Mm-hmm success, safety, security, opportunity. That's all I got. And if you were, you've worked for your money just cause I know, right? And, and I know you've done a lot of hard work for your money. If you were given your money, do you think it would feel the same? Well, it would feel really fantastic for probably a very short period <laughs> yes, of time. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's this, yeah, you want to have, you want to earn it. You want to yeah. know that you've Earn, at least I do. Yes. And I think you do too, right? Yeah. You want to know that you've earned the earned your success. Yeah. And money is just an easy way to, uh, is the easy scorecard for, to measure yeah. success. I know that that's not all what success is about, but it's an easy scorecard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to, I like to see it just to, you know, yes, see it. Of course. Um, but yeah, probably wouldn't feel the same. I, I would like to feel, feel what it felt like to be given a bunch of money just to experience, <laughs> experience that. that and kind of give it back. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I'll, I'll take that experience, but but yeah, probably it wouldn't feel the same. I think it's interesting because and this ties into the conversation we're going to have today, but I think it's interesting because there's when things get tough in our lives, we want like this instant easy button to like mm -hmm. have. But if we just, if you look at people that have were given like trust funders, if you will, or, you know, you win in the lottery and how, you know, 80 plus percent of them within five to seven years are in a worse off financial situation. And most of them actually say their life has gotten a lot worse because they can't handle money. And how so, many athletes have exactly million, million, multi-million dollar contracts have gone bankrupt. Exactly. And I've actually forget the stat, but our good friend worked with a lot of athletes um, buying houses. And that was, mm -hmm. he wanted to actually, before he got into what he's doing now, he really wanted to go focus on helping athletes because he saw firsthand all of them, not all of them, but the majority of, I forget his stat that he said it was, it's a lot. It was more yeah. than 80% though, yeah. end up in, in really financial situations that are really, really challenging for them. And I, I think this goes back to the whole conversation with kids and money, which is, is we want, it's almost like we want to protect our kids by giving them money so they don't have to struggle. But by not having them struggle, they miss the opportunity to earn their ability to handle that type of money. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the challenge with all of this is that if you have a hundred dollars and that's all you, and if, like, if I give your, if you give a four-year-old a hundred dollars, it's a tremendous amount of money because they never handled that. They don't really know how to handle it yet. So you have to teach them how to handle these things. Whereas if you just give them money all of their life, it's not only, it's not like the, the normal words that you would kind of describe like spoiled and stuff. You're just, you're, you're robbing them of their ability to actually struggle. But what you're really robbing them of is their ability to learn how to earn or really to learn how to manage mentally mm -hmm. the, the leadership that comes with money or leading people or with higher incomes. And that's why when you're building organizations or you're going through school to finally get to a big job that pays a lot of money, when you're going through that, the whole part of that is you're earning and you're learning how to handle that type of money. Because at some point in your life, $100 is a lot, and then $500 is a lot, then 1000 is a lot, and then 10000 is a lot, then 100000 is a lot, but then 10000 doesn't feel like a lot anymore. Mm -hmm. And then a million is a lot, but then a million doesn't feel like a lot anymore. Then it's $5 million, then it's $10 million. You, There's no end to it. It's why people that have billions of dollars, they're like, yeah, I, I got it. And it's like, they still put their pants on. They don't feel any different, right? I always use this because I think it's such an important aspect 
when it comes to material things with money, Bill Gates does not feel any different walking into his $50 million home than you walk into your house. You just, after a couple of weeks, he, you literally don't feel any different. If you're whole and complete and feeling fulfilled and joy, you can essentially, essentially, anybody listening to this podcast, right? We're not going to, you know, talk about third world areas that would definitely benefit a lot from having a house. But like anybody listening to this has the ability of that. It's not going to feel any different going into this house to the house. I've, I mean, I personally have experienced that over the last 15 years of living in, you know, 400 square foot apartment, going to a million dollar plus home, selling it to famous people, and then going back into a 900 square foot condo with five people, right? And then going back out of there. And each time I just really paid attention to how I felt, right? Like, yes, is there a little bit more convenience to having a bigger garage and having a bigger mudroom? Yes. But is it really going to change your day? I mean, seriously, is it really going to change your, no, it doesn't. Like people have this, this vision of, Hey, if I get this, then I'm going to feel differently from this. And that doesn't never happens. What you feel different from is your ability to go out there and struggle, earn it, and then use that money to go then and, and build something else that you just get to enjoy, but it's never going to change. What changes you is the process that you earn to actually getting that money. So with, we'll use you as an example with, a family and kids who are, do not have to struggle financially. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you teach them that? Yeah. Well, I think for one it's it's just like anything. It's all self-leadership, meaning you have to be a steward of your own money and you have to make sure that you are um, displaying the, uh, the standards that you want to have around money. So you, first of all, I also think it needs to be a conversation. I think money in most households is like a taboo and people don't want to talk about it. Or if they talk about it, it's negatively talked about. Like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And that gets ingrained in people. It's like, oh, we don't have enough money. Therefore, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Instead of if you don't have any money, that's fine. I'm not saying you need money to do that, but you can still have the conversation and go, we have plenty of money. You could have $10 in bank account. We have plenty of money. We have our health. We have the experience of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So you can reposition your thinking instead of like, we never have money, never have money, never have money. That just constantly gets ingrained in people's head, right? Yeah. I, I was just going to, an example came to mind um, of a how like my husband and I were so raised so differently with our, with ideas around money. Um, and, and it does ingrain it in your yes, mind as kids, does. right? Yeah. So for him, it was always, we don't have enough and, the, and his family made we're both, both middle class, like yeah. middle class, lower middle class um, upbringing. But um, his family definitely had more income than my my family did. But it was all we don't have any money. We can't go on vacation. You know, all of those things. Meanwhile, I literally thought we were rich. Yeah. I had no idea. I always had everything that I yeah. needed, wanted. We were a one income household with four children. Um, we were taught to say, you know, save money and manage money. Um, and we went on amazing vacations to Disney or to camping or whatever, but little did I know my parents would save and manage their money for a year to give us that experience versus the other way, which is we just don't have the money and only, only wealthy people go on vacation. Yeah. My family had to like save money to buy us Christmas presents, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't really know where that story is going, but we all are, yeah, we are, do have, and then, um, Bill would say now, like he has still has preconceived notions about people who have money. Yes. Like, oh, they're assholes or he's over this now. He's over this now, (laughs) but like, oh, they're, they're assholes or they must've been handed money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And he learned this over the past 10 years of me working with you and and your blogs and podcasts and everything. No, they worked their asses off to get where they are. Yeah. 
And he's like, oh yeah, okay, now I get it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's why we do well now because you worked your butt off and so have I. Yes, you both have. And, and you're also very good with your money. Out of a lot of people that are in our organizations, you're, you, I just know personally where you're at too. So, I mean, you, you've done very, very well for yourselves. Yeah, I, went, and, I feel like I went on a tangent, but- I No, just, it was good. And you also, you also have very good money habits. Correct. Meaning you have plenty of liquidity, but yet you don't, you're not spending it out there just to spend it. Right. And I think that your point is 100% accurate. We're going on. So the first starting position, we'll get into the tactics around what you can do for kids. But the first thing about it is to be able to talk freely about it. It's yes. like, it's, there's nothing wrong with money. There's only wrong with money when there's energy one way or another around it. Mm-hmm. It's like money is everything or money's nothing. Either way, you're still wrong. There's right. energy around right. it. Yeah. So the whole conversation goes, money is just a tool. If you were to, if you walked up to any one of my kids right now and you asked, what is money? They would literally tell you it's a tool. And that's, it's just been ingrained in their head and go, so where do you invest your money in people? That's literally the, the, the thing they're going to do. And I say, who's the first person? Mm. Myself. And so there's like a certain thing that you always ingrain them with starting off early about what is actually money. Because when I was growing up too, I I got linked to money brought happiness, probably like a lot of people. But for me, my dad was in, you know, uh, he left his job and and started becoming a sole entrepreneur and and still is, but like, that's, how was his thing. And it was always like, we got to get that. And that's going to have, have, so for me, that was like, I got caught up in like, interesting. Yeah. I needed to accomplish things externally with in getting money was like my scorecard and that was going to bring me joy or bring my father joy or bring my family joy. And that was kind of like my North star for a while. That's why when I said when I first got into business, I was very mercenary. Like, cause I was very yeah. much like I need to go make money to prove to the world and show the world and get these things. It's so interesting. And then what's coming to mind for me is that it was for us. It was always, you have to get good grades. You have to be a good person. That was like the mark of success, which you can pretty clearly see with my, in my work habit, it's like, you have to be the best. Do you have to show up? You know, you have to like hard work was really valued. Um, and it wasn't associated with money necessarily. That's really interesting. Yeah. So money is, is one of those things that I think the first, if you're listening to this, no matter what you've done in the past, you can always start that conversation today. And at first is you just got to check your own, your own emotional state around money, regardless whether you have any money or not has nothing to do with your joy. If you're listening to this conversation, right. And so there you start and go, yeah, okay. So maybe we have a spending problem. Let's get on our spending. And then share that. I was going to say, when you gave that example about your parents saving, they should have, they should have been showing that throughout the entire year that our family is saving $50 a week to go on this vacation. And oh, we knew. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. And that's what I think you do is like you show your kids that you save up money, even if you don't need to, yeah. even if you don't, even if you go buy anything you wanted to right now, relatively speaking, right. You should still show that, like, Hey, we're saving up for this. We're saying no to this. We're saying no to this. And so a lot of times, um, you know, kids are like, Hey, why don't you just go down? I don't need it. I don't need it. What, what is that really going to do for me? And so it's just, it's just, you engage in all the conversations, bring into some tactics, but you engage in all the conversations with your kids. I have three under eight. Right. And so they're always like, Hey, we should go get that thing over there. And I go, how is that going to change your life? Asher? This is literally the next question out of my mouth. And he goes, well, I don't know. I just want it. I go, it's the difference in wanting something and then just, and then to have it, to have it. I said, what, what, how is that going to affect your life? And he goes, well, I don't really know. I go, don't you have something similar to that? And so we just engage in the conversation and then typically they go off, but like right. you started the conversation to get them to understand what money really is. And yeah. so I think that's the starting position of any, when it comes to kids and around money is you have to be in an emotional state that there's no energy one way or another around money. When you have it, awesome. It's great. It's wonderful. It can do wonderful things. You can go on. In, in, yeah, I know. And it's just, you can, I mean, I just, I've been on really expensive vacations that have been amazing. And I've been on vacations that cost less than $500 for a week that have been just as amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they're same. different yeah. experiences, right. but they're just as amazing. Right. And so, you know, um, Gary Keller, uh, early on, 
in my life always talked about how he put way more stock into the experience of things than he did, especially when he had a tremendous amount of money. He just said, I just, I just focus on the experience, focus on the experience, focus on the experience. And I think that's what you can do. Focus on the experience around money, focus on the experience around the conversation around money. It's just another experience, just another tool. Like you talk about anything, just make sure that for one is that when you're having these conversations, there's no energy behind it. That's key. Number one for you. Once you understand that, then you can just in between you and your partner, because if your partners have different views about this and there's arguments around money, that's where things, because then kids link that up. They go, money causes anger or frustration. Yeah. And that right. starts or to do fear it. Or, or fear or whatever or it is. extreme happiness. Like, yes, yeah. exactly. Like it's just, yeah. and we need to get it to, to make it happen that yeah. way. Right. And you know, this is kind of a good story. I remember it's kind of a pretentious story, if you will, but like, I know there's this, and some people will see it for what it is, but you know, my daughter came up to me, she, who was, who was probably seven at the time. She's eight now. And she's like, um, she goes, she's something my mom's like, she goes, daddy, are we millionaires? And I said, well, I am. And she stopped for a second. I said, you're not going to, that that's because I've earned it and I've made it, but you're not going to have access to that. And so I think it was like, and I know Wait, it's, what was her response to that? You know, I think she sat there and she just kind of looked at me kind of funny, yeah, but she kind of took yeah. it in. Yeah. Like she, she got it though. Yeah. She got it. That was like, it was like, and I just sat her down and explained that like the, almost the conversation we're having now, I said, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to thank me one day for this. And that's literally what the message was. And she's like, yeah, right. Like I, she's like one of those things. And the whole point of that conversation though, is because we got really clear as a family, what we were going to provide for our kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going into this was one, their education. Um, so whatever that was. And, and as an example, by the way, we had our kids in private school that was $3,000 a month. I actually pulled them out of that because I actually wanted them to struggle a little bit more. People asked me about why I did this. There was nothing wrong with our, our private school. Um, just I, it was like, I pull up in the parking lot and there's eight vehicles that were hundred thousand dollars and over. Right. Like, and I'm like, they're not being and just for me, that didn't necessarily mm-hmm. education is important. And it's not that for us, we have very good public schools. Yes. That's, so that's an yeah. important thing to do. There's some areas that don't have public schools and I get it. And like, you have, you should have your kid in, in a private school if you can. Right. So I'm not going to judge anybody for any of those things, but for us and our family, mm-hmm. it was like, I actually wanted my kids to ride the bus. I learned a lot riding the bus. Oh yeah. I learned a lot <laughs> having to do that. And they actually, then I got them excited. I said, Hey, you're going to go. And I, you're going to go struggle a little bit more in these things and it's going to be a little different. And so I want them to do this. We made that decision to do that, um, for that. Uh, and secondly, I think it's important when you're kind of holistically kind of having these breakdowns of conversations. So we'll, we'll pay for education, right? Um, we'll also pay for healthcare, right? That's like, like, like I pay for our kids. Like we're fortunate enough to be able to pay for our kids. They go three days a week to a personal trainer, mm-hmm. like my six and eight year old though. And it's awesome, by the way, like if you have the ability to do that, because gyms have been closed for a while and, yeah. but personal training's open. So we got, we have a personal trainer that they spend an hour with three times a week. But even as adults, do you still, your family will still, I'm just assuming, and I heard this on a different podcast, somebody else does a similar model, um, that even as adults, you'll still pay for their education and you'll still, if there's a, something medical, you'll pay for health, of course, Yes. even as they are adults, but after after whatever, 18, 25, whatever it is, I'm assuming you'll still pay for health and education. But after that, 
Yeah, I in fact if, if one of my on kids if my one of my kids got unhealthy when they're in the twenties and yeah. I could pay a personal trainer, I would pay yeah. for their personal trainer. Of course, right. I, I would do anything that I can yeah. to support their health. Just yes. like I would do it for my employees, by the way. I know. I, yeah. I do that. And yeah. you know that. Like yeah. we, we I pay for my employees to get health care that they need or whatever it is that we're doing. Even in Project U, we pay for people to have a nutritionist that supports them throughout the year and also to help them with their exercise. We have a you know, a personal trainer that they're working with, right? So it's those type of things that we do and um you brought, you brought up a good point. It's when even for, so for instance, right now, like I don't mind bribing my kids with money for exercise. I just, mm. and people like have a completely different opinion on this and you're more than welcome to. Um, what does that look like? So I was going to get into, uh, so for instance, like skiing, I pay them a dollar a run and it has to be a big run. And so it forces them to go out there because they're always like, how do I, can I, how can I earn more money? How can I earn money? So what we have is on our on our, uh, we tried doing this in checkbooks, like each kid having a checkbook, but like they just got lost and they didn't pay attention to it. So we actually printed out a sheet on our fridge and it's got Asher, Sienna and Maddie, and it's got their starting balance of what they earned so far uh, in there or money that was given to them from, from relatives. Right. Like Sienna had her first communion, so she got money. So it went in there and they literally have it. And so it's, there's like 50 different, it's just on a simple Excel sheet. It starts your starting balance. And then it says like an add or deduct. And then what it was that they bought. So they're always just a collection That's of everything great. that they're doing. It's, it's right there visible on the screen. So when they, when they're on their iPads, they get, basically two hours a day and they're on there and they go, Hey, we want to go buy this video game. I go, well, go look at your money. And I go, is that the best use of your funds? Do you want to use that for that? And if they, they get to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what's really interesting is we give them the power to go do that. They go like, no, nah, I guess it's not. And right. so you're just teaching them really That's early cool. on that. It's like, you know what? Like they get to decide how the user it went. Cause I was never taught how to use my own money. I remember this vividly that the first time I actually had to manage money was when I went to Australia by myself. I was like, how do I open a bank account? Like, what is a bank account? Like, I'm serious. Like, really? I, I, yeah, like I yeah. just, it was huh. never like, it was we all, had, yeah, that's, that was like, t- even though my parents weren't like super wealthy brought or anything. Us at like 10 to open our first bank, I know. Account, bank checking account. Yeah. I did get a loan from my dad for $1,600 to buy my first car. So that was kind of an experience for me, which was good to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like 1500 bucks for a vehicle or something on those lines and I had to pay it off. Yeah. Um, and, but then I had never really opened a bank account, but then I just had to manage my own money there. And so yeah, I'm yeah. like this is just a really interesting experience for me to grow up. So now I'm trying to do that at a very early totally, age yeah. with my kids so they can understand money. They can understand what it is. And, and every decision they make, there's a debit, there's a deduction. And then what a lot of times I'll do is through the end of the week, we'll grab the sheet and I say, Hey, you bought four things. How did you feel from using that money? And so I make them reflect on the choices that they've made for it. Or if they said no to something, I said, Hey, I noticed you said no to that and you didn't buy it. I said, did you actually miss it? And they go, no, I actually didn't. I said, weren't you better off by saving your money than right? And he goes, yes. And I said, how much you should save your money? 20% every year, right? And that's kind of like that Warren Buffett's philosophy mm. of making sure you do it. So it, and it's not like, it's not like we sit down every week for like, a, we do do that, which I'll get into in a second, but it's not like I sit down and have like this purposeful conversation. It's just an ongoing conversation yeah, part about of, life. Part of, yeah, life. Life. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, there's no, like wherever it comes up, it could be at the dinner table, it could be right before bed. It could be in the midst of any of these things. So you're just always willing to engage in the conversation with them to help them out and understand around money of what to do with it. How do they, um, do they get an allowance or how do they earn? I know you mentioned the one thing, is there any other way that they earn money? Well, they they don't get an allowance right now. Um, we, We haven't done that yet. They can do chores. 
Now there's household chores that they can do that are like part of their everyday being part of the household. And then there's additional chores. Like Ash will come and go, how do I earn $10? And so actually what I taught him the first two times I said, here's what I want you to go do. And he went and did it. And then he came back again and goes, how do I earn $10? I said, next time you want to earn $10, you come to me with a business plan. He goes, what's a business plan? And I told him what a business plan was. And I, and I just simplified it. I said, like tell me, it, yeah. yeah, tell me your idea of what it is that you're going to do to generate money. You want to sell me on something for me to give you money. I can't think of anything right now. So you better come to me with a product that I need or a service. And I just explained I know, it. What did, he, what did he come back with? Uh, washing the windows. Oh, good. Yes. And then after you wash the windows, he said, can I earn an extra dollar for washing the mirrors? And then he said, well, how about if I do all your computer screens? Can I get an extra dollar for that? I said, no, that's included. And he goes, how about 50 cents? <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, no, it is. And it's just, it's, it's all those things. So like you just, you're training them to bring ideas and to generate how to not just do the activities, but how to generate the thinking I mean, around the that's an entrepreneurial mindset from yes. four, age four, three, four, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And you can, and I'm using Asher, but using this for Sienna, Maddie and Asher, and just kind of like constant, these conversations. Then what we also do is every Sunday, 85% of the time, right? We sit down and we're actually going through the Dave Ramsey course for kids. Um, it's Dave awesome. Ramsey has a lot of really, really good products Financial out there. Peace University yeah, it's kids. not called that. It might be actually. I don't okay. remember what it's called. And it's basically, it's like, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. When we got, when we got it. And yeah. it's just basically, and it's, there's a lesson each week that takes about 10 minutes to do. And there's coloring things in there. And then it just teaches them the four basically buckets that they have for how they do with their money, which is save, spend, uh, donate. Um, and, uh, and invest. invest. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Those are the four kind of components. And so now when you ask like CNN and Asher, Maddie is still a little young, but yeah. CNN and Asher, like what are the four ways to spend your money? And it's just, they break it down into those four categories. And then I go, how much are you supposed to, to give 10%? And so like there's calculations that you, then you teach them how to do math about how to very simple ones. Like if it's 10% and just how you move the decimal place over, just, just the stuff like all that type of stuff for your kids to be able to do it. And it takes about an hour to do this. And then Sarah is there and she reads, there's a story that accompanies it too, as well to kind of link it together. And so then Sarah reads the story to everybody. And so we do that before we, you know, most Sunday mornings that we do it. Um, and so then, and then it, that kind of frames the conversation for these, for these convert, for the, for what you do with money with your kids. Right. Yeah. And, and as that starts to, to play out as they get older, you know, what? I was going to go back to this too, um, for bribing your kids for exercise. <laughs> I just think it's that incentivizing it's them. yes. Bribing, incentivizing, call it whatever you want. <laughs> I just believe so much in health and I think people just need to visually feel things. And so whatever you can do to get them to visually feel it whether that's you're leading an employee who's 40 or leading your kids, your job is to get them to be able to step through themselves so they can feel it. So if I can get and we can get our kids to go skiing for that and get out there for two or three hours and they know like, Hey, I can do one more run and get an extra dollar. I'd rather give them money than treats because I don't, I don't, and I do give my kids treats, but like, Treats like is just, again, it should be a treat and it shouldn't be an everyday thing. I'd rather give them money for things that they're going to be able to do and learn how to invest that, how I to save that, that. Yeah. for it. I actually got this from um, uh, a long time ago. I, I've brought up Mr. Money Mustache recently, but like a long time ago when he, back in 2017, when he first coming out, he talked about how he bribed his kid, his child for riding his bike. And this is a mm. guy who doesn't spend money on, he spends $27,000 a year annually, wow. but he said, I will pay my my, my kid to ride his bike per mile. And he goes, adds up very fast. That's how he earns his money. Mm. And then he learned his money. That's how he, then he saves up to buy it. And it's the same type of principle for those things. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so there's just, I'm giving you another example about maybe it's 10 cents a mile. Maybe it's, it's, you know, I also use exercise for a lot of things for one. If my kids, um, fight, 
or they yell at each other, which, you know, uh, they do like a lot. Um, I actually don't put my kids in timeout. And I've shared this before. Mm-hmm. And I, I do to one of two things. One, I have them take deep breaths. Cause I think breathing is like the, it's been around for, you know, since monks have been teaching deep breathing exercises to create good feelings and energy and and, you know, you kind of, you can glue your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. I'm not going to get all that, but the, the breathing technique. So just get them to go breathe for 10 breaths. Because here's my point with all of this about when it comes to kids or even just leadership in general. If you go put somebody in timeout, they're not, as an adult, you're not going to go put yourself in timeout, mm-hmm. right? When you do something wrong. Or, or no, someone else isn't going to do that for, That's for you exactly either. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And so I always think about those punishments of like, and, I, and it's not like I don't put my kids in timeout. Like I'm not like this perfect father by any means at all. And I will at sometimes if they really need to, or if I am in a position where I'm not really able to be yeah. mature, which happens, then I need to basically like, you need to go in timeout so I can control myself. And then let's have the conversation. You just got to be that mature as well too. Didn't so, you just go put yourself in timeout then? Yes, exactly. Well, I, I like putting myself in timeout sometimes, um, from there, but it's like, uh, um, so when, when they, when they do something, it's like 10 deep breaths and then I make them also do push ups. So if they want to come out or if they want to be done, they want to move on to the next thing. I said, give me 10 pushups and I make them do from their knees or from whatever it is, or I make them do laps, um, around the house. I make them run outside in the snow without their shoes on. It's not torture. I promise. Like um, right? they probably love it. No, they do. But the, you know yeah. what the thing is? Here's the thing is they just acted up. Now they're doing this fun thing that makes them feel like they're completely moved on from yes. what just happened. Well, it's actually listening. You've told the duck story before, yeah. but I was just listening to the Joe Rogan and Miley Cyrus podcast. Um, and they, she talked about the whole duck story and it's reminding me of that. Like yeah. you basically are having them go flap their wings, yes. run around, yes. do the pushups or whatever. And then they recenter themselves and they move on. Exactly. Yeah. And so just when you're, when you're leading your kids or you're leading anybody really, like what can, how can you teach them to go be able to remove the energy so you can then have the conversation with them? Because you can't have a conversation with a kid who's riled up. Right. 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 Like I give you an example. Or like, an adult. Let's be honest. No, anybody. And that's why, and that's why most people walk into a meetings for an adult and they have an agenda for themselves and they don't get it. They just like, they're trying to prove to everybody why it needs to be there. And yeah. I'm like, you missed the point. Yeah. You missed the whole point, right? And you just need to center yourself from those things. Like Asher brought, we were at a, a place the other day and he picked up like 13 rocks and I didn't even know what he was doing. He picked up all these rocks and he brought them home. And the next morning he's going to school and I'm like, what are you doing with those rocks? He goes, I, I got a rock for each one of my students or my classmates. And I was like, dude, that's so nice. And he went in there and he gave them out and he came home that day and he was all pouting. And I'm like, Hey, what's wrong? And how he goes, the kids didn't like the rocks. I said, and so like, I could tell he was like bad. So I sat him down. I discussed, I said, Hey, you know what? The thing is, I said, did it make you feel good to give those things initially? He said, no. I said initially. And he said, yes. And I said, that's all that matters is your intent behind it was that it was pure and that you really wanted to give and you contribute. And I said, regardless of they're, they're proud of you or not. Like I am, you should be proud of yourself because that, that mindset. So you just center them and have that conversation with them at all times around it. So when it comes to money, right? It's first, the starting position is how are you discussing money around your kids? Mm-hmm. Cause that's, as you've heard for stories and I know people listening to this probably going, they were shaped somehow with money oh, sure. that drives yeah. them today because of the conversations that their parents had around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes for anything, right? Whether that's anything that's like taboo around things that people don't want to talk about. Um, so just politics, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you can have the conversation with people and make room for it and let them ask questions about it. So you can actually help answer those things. And so you just, you really engage in the conversations, then just make it a free flowing conversation with your, in your household, show them everything that you're saving for, 
that you show them how you're saving. Talk to them about money. Talk to them about experiences to make sure they're really bringing these things into play. And as you start doing this, they start to understand that they can put more into the experience, but yet money can facilitate a lot of these different things. And then where do you put your money, right? And then teach them these things. Even if you have not been good at this and you're still not good at this, at least teach them, <laughs> right? Yeah, and like, learn, learn with them. Yes, because you, know? you teaching them. Because, yeah. you know, if somebody said the, I don't know if it was on a, or a call yesterday, but somebody... Oh, you know, it was, uh, I was doing a KPA verification yesterday and somebody said that, you know, that, well, like, okay, yeah, like that, that's right. I need to go do that. And I said, everyone knows what to do when it comes to like physical fitness or money, right? Like if I go in and ask anybody, what do you do with your money? Like as an adult, they're like, why well, I, I know if you tell me the answer that you think I should know, save money, spend less, but nobody does it. Mm. And so it's not, it's not hard. It's just hard. <laughs> It's hard because there's a part of you that you can't, you can't be in control of because there's this impulse that wants to go spend more money instead of actually finding the joy in saving money. Right. And that's really the gift that you can give to your kids as well, too. Are there any other things that you have, uh, that you and Sarah have done to set your kids up, set up their financial futures, um, savings plans, yeah. um, trust funds? I mean, any, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, so all of, all of our assets are in two different trusts to Adam Hergenrother family trust and Sarah Hergenrother family trust. So all of our assets are in those or holdings of companies are in those. Um, the beneficiaries of those are not my kids. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. So yes. tell us about that. Um, because, uh, it's a generation script, uh, skipping trust. It's not, well, generation skipping, they could go to your, their kids, but really what it is is we've set it up so that at a certain age, I think it's 30, they can live off the interest of the trust. Um, and they can get a certain amount of it after 30, it's 30 or 35. I have to look at exactly how we set it up. Um, but nobody needs like a whole bunch of money when they're 22. <laughs> I mean, if I had, if I had, you know, that much money, you know, 22 or whatever it was, like it would not be Your good. Your trip to Australia would have been really exactly. fun. Yeah, actually, you know who did this really well was Warren Buffett, by the way. Yeah. And he, he was very well, you know, notorious or lauded, I guess, depending on how you looked at it for like his kids wanted to go do something. He goes, I'll lend you the money at 20%. <laughs> and he did, he did that. And then it wasn't until they got into their fifties that he actually started giving them money. If you actually read his most recent stuff, it was when they got to their fifties and they were actually mature to be able to handle the money. He started giving them in larger sums. Had, had done some work to earn exactly, their own. To yeah. earn their own thing, to be able to do that. Um, and so I think that's, a, that's really important to do it. So we, we, we have trust set up, but they can only get a certain amount of money from the interest. They can never touch the principle of it. Okay. The principles will never be touched on those different things. Um, I think that's important. And then, um, college education. So from the beginning, it's 529s, C's, but every state is a little bit different. You can put whatever it is that you need in there. Um, if you do that, like I think it's six grand a year per child that you can put in there. That's essentially tax-free, I, I believe. And you have to check I in your state. So. Yeah, but, state um, yeah. but you can do that. And then by the time that they're at a you know time to go to college or education, or if they're just going to use that for their own education, or if they want to use that to start a business start and not go to school, yeah. I don't know what school is going to look like in 20 years. I mean, hopefully it's actually changed to, to be honest with you, because I I enjoyed getting a college education because it forced me to do things that I didn't know I could necessarily do and I had to do, but I probably only needed two years of it. Yeah. I, 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 I don't you. think me I too. needed four, two years of elective classes, just as part of basically party. Uh, well, <laughs> and, and I, I, I worked, but yes, yeah. Well, I did too. I mean, I worked during college. I mean, it's yeah. like, um, but I just think that there's, unless you're going to a specific profession that requires schooling, yeah. entrepreneurship should be, I'd rather see the two years actually working in a company, Me too. making little amount of money, but doing that and using that as your actual resource. I was, I've been very clear in my college education, the, the best, basically 
semester and a half that I ever had was working down on Wall Street for a company called Hulu Loki Howard Zuck and, and different firms that are providing high yield bond recommendations to these things. That was basically this advanced honors Wall Street class, right? It was the first time I got yelled at in a boardroom <laughs> ever. It was the first time I presented to people down on Wall Street, like nervous in a suit, right? It just teaches you real life things yeah. about getting your ass kicked, right? Like about doing all this work and then five minutes in the presentation saying like, this sucks, <laughs> right? And then you got to pivot. And so those type of things and those struggles can do it. So find ways um, you can do it, but those are the ways we kind of set up for our kids. Hey, if you like this episode of Business Meets Spirituality, make sure to subscribe to this podcast before you go so you don't miss future episodes. Or visit our website, adamhergenrother.com. That's H-E-R-G-E-N-R-O-T-H-E-R to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget, never give up on joy.